two weeks ago, uh, Kev Riley got us started in this in this series, which we're calling Covenant People. And a covenant is a binding agreement between two parties that's based on solemn promises. That's the idea with, with a covenant. And uh, we really wanted to explore what life in the Holy Spirit looks like as God's covenant people, because the Bible describes the gift of the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. And so us being filled with and receiving and being empowered by the Holy Spirit isn't just some kind of casual connection, but it's actually a result of the fact that we are in covenant with God and God has promised his people his very presence, his very spirit. And so we're going to spend a few weeks working through the book of Acts, just looking at different ways the Holy Spirit empowers us as covenant people, as God's covenant people, as, as, as those whom God has made amazing promises to us in Jesus and those who have entered into that. So we're going to read uh, a couple of passages today. We're going to read, um, we're going to start in Acts chapter one. We're going to read verses four down to eight. And then we're going to go, we're going to jump to Acts chapter two and read the first 13 verses. Okay. So Acts chapter one, verse four to eight. And while staying with them, he, that's Jesus, ordered them not to to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that my father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now we're going to go to chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your new wine, the wine of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you today in the name of Jesus that even as I preach, you would fill us with your spirit. Even as I preach, your spirit would move and touch our lives and our hearts and our minds. I pray that you would protect us as we hear your word. Pray that you would Move on us as we hear your word and it will be different at the end. 
in Jesus' name. We all said together all across the city and across the world, Amen. It's Melody Mimes, Amen. Thanks, Melody. That's great. Now, what we're going to be looking at is this idea today between the heart and speech. What you'll find is that Jesus says, well, when I go, the Spirit's coming and you'll be witnesses. That means you will testify and you will, you will speak of me. And then, and then we have this incredible incident in chapter two, whereby, you know, they, they, they're doing that, but actually doing it even in languages they've never learned. And this extraordinary thing, we're going to look at all of these things and more. It won't be a long sermon, don't worry, but we're going to look at a number of different things. But the point is, actually, I want to make before we make any other point that Jesus makes it very clear in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 12, verses 33 to 34, he says this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? For here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You cannot disconnect what is in your heart from what comes out of your mouth. Now, when you're born again, you get given a new heart, which means you want to speak of Jesus because he has become that which is most dear to you. And so there's just a supernatural desire now on the inside to speak of him, to let people know about him, to speak words of life, to speak words of truth, to speak words of grace, because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. He's full of grace and truth. He now lives in you by his spirit. He indwells your new heart. So there's a supernatural thing that happens when you come to faith in Christ, whereby your heart is new. And so therefore it ought to follow that your speech is new. One of the evidences of the new heart is new speech. Absolutely. One of the clear evidences of the new heart is new speech. But this today at Pentecost, this is beyond that. You see, Jesus was speaking to his disciples who already knew him, loved him, were following him. They wanted to talk about him, but they lacked the power. They lacked the boldness. It's one thing to have a new heart and want to speak of Jesus. It's another thing to be able to. They're different things. They're both necessary, but they're different things. You can be born again and love Jesus and yet find yourself tongue-tied, afraid, timid, unable to speak of him. Jesus promises when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. That's the promise. You will be my witness. You will speak of me. Your tongue will be loosed. Elsewhere in another one of the Gospels, and he's talking about troublesome times coming. He says, you're not to worry and plan about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will put the words into your mouth. Extraordinary, wonderful, amazing truths. And so the first point I want to make today is just about witnessing and just say this. We are utterly dependent on the presence of the Holy Spirit in order to speak effectively about Jesus. Those of us who have a new heart, we love the Lord Jesus. We still need the power of the Spirit if we're going to be able to speak effectively, because it's one thing to want to speak and another to overcome the fear. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. So, brothers and sisters, before we go any further, let me just exhort you to learn to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. To not to try to do these things and live the Christian life out of your own power or out of your own efforts, that it will not work. Uh, we are not supposed to. Jesus says that so I was wait till the Spirit comes. And even those of us who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit have been baptised in the Holy Spirit. We need to go on being filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And you might ask, well, how do I know for sure God will give me the Holy Spirit? Because we're in covenant with him and he's the promise of the Father. It's covenant. You haven't got to worry and, 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 and fear, but what if, what if, no, no, you're in covenant with God, God is faithful to his promise. Jesus says, if, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Spirit to those who ask him? Luke 11, verse 13. It's covenant. So we can be utterly confident he will give us all that we need to live that godly life and be able to speak freely of him. And then the second thing I want to pick up, and this isn't the main thing, we're going to get to the main thing in a moment, but is this whole thing of the gift of tongues. I'm going to go into it in huge detail today, but I do want to say this. It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift to have. And I sometimes get the impression that uh, either because we don't understand it, or maybe we've seen it used in ways that make us feel a bit freaked out, or, or we've heard people talk about it, or books written about it, we kind of despise this gift. It's interesting, there was a church in the New Testament times in Corinth and they loved the gift of tongues and actually they, they so much so they were using it in a, in a disorderly way. And Paul has to write to them to straighten them out. But it's interesting, instead of telling them to calm down, he doesn't do that. He says to them, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he just taught them how to use the gift well. But I want to just do my bit to... In any heart or mind that is suspicious about that gift or neglectful or dismissive or disdainful to, to, to say, don't do that. It's a wonderful gift. So often we don't know how to pray as we all. So often we don't know the words to say. To be able to pray in a, in a God-given language whereby you don't know what you're praying. The Bible says it's not with the mind, it's with the spirit. There's praying with the mind when we know what we're saying to look. There's praying with the spirit when we don't. But nevertheless, it's praying with the spirit. It's not... It's not, it's not better, it's not worse, but it complements and accompanies praying with the mind. It's a wonderful gift. If you want that gift, ask the Lord for that gift. Watch what he does. Just watch what he does. I've known so many stories and testimonies of people who have asked. And then in a time of praise or a time of prayer, either by themselves or in a meeting or, or going along on a train even, they've, as they've just been praising and loving the Lord, that gift has just come and, and come upon them. And they've, they've just they've just received that gift and, and, and since then have just delighted to use it. So I want to again just say this is an extraordinary gift. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but the third thing and the thing I really want to focus on for the rest of the message today is this, is that through these inspired words, through these utterances of the Holy Spirit, there is a bringing together of the nations of the world. You see, it's it's Jews and it's people that have converted to Judaism, but ethnically it's an extraordinary mix, if you read through the list. An extraordinary mix. The day of Pentecost operates on a pretty deep level. I think Kev might have touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but I'll just say very, very briefly, the day of Pentecost undoes certain moments of judgment from God that happened before that and reverses them. Okay, I wanted to give you two main examples. First example is this. The other name for the day of Pentecost is the Feast of Weeks, and it's where the, um, the Jewish people don't just, don't just celebrate the first fruits, but they also celebrate the giving of the law. And obviously on the giving of the law, particularly the Ten Commandments is the sort of the Big Ten, and these, um, these commands about, you know, don't have another God before me, don't make idols. And if we go back to the, to the Old Testament, back into, the, into Exodus, we read the story of Moses going up the mountain to be with God, but he takes too long. And the people tire of waiting for him. So they say to Aaron, listen, make us, make us a golden calf that we can worship and we can, we can praise this 
you know, for bringing us out of out of Egypt. And, and he does so. When Moses comes down from the mountain, he knows what they've been up to. God says to him, you need to go down now. They've, they've lost the plot. He goes down and they're worshipping this idol and getting up to all sorts. He does two things. He he uh, he destroys the, the tablets of stone with the commands on, completely destroys them, grinds them into powder, grinds them into, uh, grinds them in, uh, and mixes them in with water make, and makes the people... Um, Makes the, makes the people lick it. I mean, it's just like, he's, it's judgment, judgment, horrible, vile. And the second thing is as well, is that there's an awful judgment that happens whereby uh, the Levites draw their swords and kill 3,000 in that day. Judgment, three of them. 3,000 of them judged, dead, because of their idolatry. And you probably know from the day of Pentecost. Peter, Peter preaches the gospel, doesn't preach the law, he preaches the gospel, the fulfilment of the law, Jesus Christ. The gospel, 3,000 are saved. It's a reversal. It's a deliberate reversal. Judgment overturned. Salvation has come. The second moment is this. is right, right back early in the Bible. Um, Genesis chapter 10, 11. There's the people who, they build the Tower of Babel. They build this tower. And at that point, everyone spoke one language. They were together. They were one. There was this unity, but they weren't under God. They'd found unity under something else under another banner. And they say, let's build this amazing tower up to heaven and let's make a name for ourselves. And what it really is, is a parable, an image of humanity gathered together in a cause, but not under God. And um, they're full of pride and, and they're full of a sense of what, what, what we're going to do. And God comes down to look and he judges them. And what he does is he, he basically judges them by mixing up their languages. So they no longer understand one another anymore. As a result, they scatter. They can no longer work together. So they're scattered in that moment. What we see at Pentecost here is this extraordinary thing of these languages being given so that people are not confused, but so that they understand. And this extraordinary reversal of judgment where you see the grace of God. It's a, you begin to see the grace of God breaking out through the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is going on here. This is an extraordinary moment. This is a Babel undoing moment in Pentecost. The nations gather back together under the gospel, under the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And the church that we read about in the coming chapters that we all love to read about in the following chapters, the, this church that gave themselves to one another and were radical in the sharing of their possessions. And, you know, just the, the, this, this church that is like the blueprint of, of how to do church all came from this moment. They, they, were, they, were, they, were, they had been converts to Judaism, absolutely, but they were from every part of the world. And ethnically, they were mixed. They were a mixed mixed people here and I do I think it's ever so important and poignant to just continue to speaking into the the terrible pain and division and sadness that we are seeing on our streets and and on our screens we're seeing the reality of sin and curse uh played out on our in in, in our streets in cities across the world daily in so many different ways the pain the anguish of of injustice and um just essentially wounds, sore, terrible wounds being being opened up. It is a time of incredible pain for many. I just want to stop and acknowledge that these are very, very difficult days. Very, very difficult days and particularly very, very difficult days for many black and brown people as they as they witnessed um, the, the George Floyd murder and the, the wounds that it reopened and and just the incredible heaviness and, and exhaustion 
and, and, and deep, deep shock and horror and all of these things. It's just, these are times of incredible, incredible pain. And it's so important that we do stop and acknowledge that. And that for those of us who are white, who can never understand in exactly the same way the vast majority of us, the vast, vast majority of us could never understand that in the same way that we, that we do nevertheless just stand. The Bible says that if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers, and we just recognise that among the kingdom of God, so many multitudes and multitudes are wonderful black and brown brothers and sisters and in our local church that we stand and we say we're feeling your pain we're 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 we're, we're learning to understand what it is that you're going through in order for us as a church to to be who we are called to be to be that prophetic voice a voice for reconciliation you know paul says you are ministers for reconciliation in order for us to be that we do first have to learn how to have our own wounds healed, how to really come to that place of, of reconciliation in the body of Christ. It's ever so important. And um, there's often a season of listening before we can speak helpfully. We see this wonderful divinely inspired speech in Acts and it, it, draws, it draws and it gathers people from everywhere because they're hearing but they're hearing in their language, they're hearing in their heart language, it's, and it brings people together. Um, it's fascinating that before the day of Pentecost, there was 10 days of waiting on God, 10 days of just seeking and praying, pretend, devoting themselves to prayer, being before God. And I do think this is a, ever, ever such an important season for us, just speaking as a local church now, a season of listening, waiting, praying, just, Lord, teach us, help us to understand, help us to process this extraordinary moment, actually, in history. God is doing something. Through something so awful, God is doing something. And uh, to stop and say, Lord, what are you doing? Help us to see how you are working in this situation. Help us to, to get our, help us to, our hearts to understand and discern what you're doing. It's ever so, ever so, ever so important. As elders, we've kind of had, a, had a, a week of a week of lots of listening, lots of really deeply reflecting and trying to understand, simply to feel and understand the pain of dear brothers and sisters. It, we've realised that that's that's where it starts. That's where it starts. It's so important that we do that. And we believe we believe God for an enabling to come out of that. We believe God. We believe that. As we listen to one another carefully, compassionately, under the gospel, that we will find language that heals, that we'll find language that mends and becomes like balm to, to, to heal injuries and wounds as we tell one another in language that reaches our hearts about the mighty works of God. You know, at the moment, just as many, many black and brown brothers and sisters are just feeling this immense amount of pain, many, many white brothers and sisters don't quite know what to do or are afraid of getting it wrong. <laughs> and there needs to be such understanding and patience um, 
given given to us so that we can as as white people just do well in this season and really we want to hear we want to understand we, we just want to be able to love well and um you know just speaking as a shepherd one of the shepherds at rev i've just i'm so impressed <laughs> with such maturity and dignity and uh, grace and uh, that, that has been manifested in conversations i've been a part of this week i just want to say you guys you guys rock because you guys are on the rock and um, you're on jesus and you know i feel pained and i feel uh i felt sad this week but i feel full of hope that, that the lord is really gonna do something quite extraordinary among us in this season as we let him and as we're humble and patient as we let him that will lead to us being able to be the voice that we are supposed to be, the prophetic voice to the world, pointing to something different that he will enable us in there. When we think about the mighty works of God, the mightiest work is the cross. That's the mightiest work of God, the cross, Jesus Christ. That's the epicentre of the earthquake. That's the moment, that's the centre point where the power of God is released into our lives and it's so important in this season that all of us keep our eyes fixed firmly on Christ crucified and risen and it can sound twee it can sound um, it can sound everything that you don't want it to sound <laughs> but it's none of those things if we approach the season that we're in with humility and softness of heart and a listen, and a listening ear we will realize the Lord will minister to us and the reality of all that he accomplished at the cross will begin to seep into our hearts and minds and lives and spirits and and that work that cut that bringing together by the spirit the unity of the spirit will I do absolutely earnestly believe will form more and more and more every local church has its has its seasons every local church and things that it goes through i think we've realized as a local church we've we've perhaps not spoken out on on all kinds of matters of Injustice as we all, um, but at the moment, you know, this this one being one that's very much um, in the forefront of our minds, that we that ethnic unity, that it's perhaps so on the heart of God in a deep, deep way, and um, essentially we're just saying, you know what, we believe in, we believe in that if we together look to the Lord, together, don't be defensive. You know, together, help one another. Together, find the energy from God not to disengage and out of exhaustion or tiredness or fear, whatever, whatever the things come in. But together, say, no, do you know what? We, we believe God's going to do something awesome here. And out of, out of it will, we believe, come a voice, a voice that heals, a voice that ministers, a voice that says, under Christ, under Christ there is a way because he is enough there's enough in him there is enough in him he he encompasses things enough and we we just trust him for that and the point is shepherd you guys into this season and say it's i do believe that it will be an, a, an uncomfortable season um probably for most of us at different ways and at different points but um a season that god is so faithful that he will he will bring us right through as we Work through Acts and think about covenant. Let's keep looking to the Spirit to empower us for witness. 
Let's keep seeking God for that gift of praying in other languages. If that's a gift that's on your heart, it's not necessarily a gift for every believer, but if that's a gift that, that you've got a desire for in your heart, ask him for it. He is faithful. He wouldn't put that desire in you if he's not going to do it. And let's also, on this whole matter of white, brown, black, brothers and sisters coming together in deep, deep understanding, unity, empathy. Let's let's listen very carefully in this season. Let's really listen. And I think it's particularly incumbent in this season on those of us who are white to listen to black and brown brothers and sisters and just to really try to understand. And you know, we will, there will be, there will be, there's many uh, relationships across the church you know between people from different different ethnic backgrounds and where there's strong relationships there of course I'm sure you're probably already talking about these things but um you know in terms of what we do wholesale as a church as elders we're just processing with other brothers and sisters the best process so just just let's we'll walk through it together and so I think there'll be all kinds of wonderful grassroots conversations just happening but also there will be something that as elders we, we will bring, um, you know, before before you as a church. It's the particular moment where we want to feel led by the Spirit to, to do certain things, to facilitate deep, deep healing, love and unity. Jesus has got us. He is our head. He's brought us together. And we're trusting that he will keep us. Um, we're going to sing now. We're going to sing Spirit Breakout. Because we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we're going to sing together, Spirit, break out. And we're going to, as we do that, just understand He is God's promise to us. This is the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. <laughs>